Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Government parties have also voted against a private member's bill calling for a referendum on Ireland's neutrality to be held. People Before Profit TD Richard Boy Barrett said his party are seeking a referendum on the insert- uh, insertion of neutrality into the Constitution. Uh, there was a 67 votes for the proposal, 53 against with no abstinence. Now, many people believe that Ireland's neutrality is protected in the Constitution because there is a long understanding and overwhelming support for the idea that Ireland should be neutral. But, in fact... That neutrality is not protected in the Constitution. And we believe it is seriously under attack. This is according to many people. And he said, Richard Boy Barrett said, by the way, that the government and the wider European political establishment are seeking to exploit the crisis of the Ukraine to justify moving towards a greater EU militarisation and the establishment of a European army and closer alignment with NATO. T.D. Paul Morphy also said, let us not kid ourselves that this latest push to fully undermine and get rid of this political straitjacket and to undermine neutrality is a mere pragmatic response to the war in Ukraine. And he also said that NATO is being rebranded as some sort of peace force, as if it was simply the neutral teacher on the playground stopping the bullies. In response, by the way, Simon Coveney, the Foreign Affairs Minister, said that Ireland's neutrality has never stopped us participating in world events, nor self-evidently uh, from being affected by them. He said it does not mean that we are uh, inactive in situations where we see flagrant breaches of the EU or the UN Charter and clear violations of international law, including international humanitarian law. Brendan Howland from Labour said Ireland should remain neutral and not be aligned to any military pact. Leo Varadkar said this should be a wake-up call. <laughs> Varadkar says Ireland can't assume Britain or the US will come to save us in the event of an attack. He also said, uh, since the end of the Second World, is that nobody would attack us because uh, we're a country that's neutral uh, militarily. He thinks that's kind of nonsense. In other words, he's thrown that away. In other words, and he also believes we're delusional if we believe we're neutral. He added that the yeah, Ukraine was neutral uh, military. Uh, it wasn't part of any military alliance. So, in other words, the idea that we're neutral is just an idea we have since the Second World War. That's what Leo is saying. It's not actually in the Constitution. There's nowhere in the Constitution that says we're a neutral country. Now, we do have peacekeeping missions. Um, we, we, there's no law that says we have to be neutral. Like, we can send military, we can send, you know, weapons to another country to help them if we want to. So we can do all those things. But we, what happens is we risk getting involved and we don't have an army to back us up. We have whatever it is, 8,000 men and women over there in the barracks all around Ireland. Um, unfortunately, doing very little. Because, Well, I say doing very little, because they're not getting involved in war, obviously. Um, they do quite a lot of work, but they don't get involved in war. They're underpaid as well, apart from anything else. If we were to adopt a military stance and, I suppose, rid this notion of neutrality from Ireland, we would have to spend a lot of money on our military. Because really, he's probably right. We can't depend on the UK or America to defend us if anything ever happened. For example, we expelled four diplomats yesterday. What happens if Russia took the hump and decided to attack Ireland tomorrow? Can we depend on the UK and America? In this particular case, we probably could. But in saying that, could we continue to depend on them? Uh, the number is 087 And what I want to ask you today is, if there was a referendum, which clearly there's not going to be now, so we're going to remain the way we are, which is not neutral, by the way, not neutral, in case you think we are neutral. We're not. If there was a war, or should I say, if there was a referendum tomorrow, um, would you vote yes 
or no? So if there was a referendum tomorrow for Ireland to remain neutral, would you vote yes to remain neutral or no, we shouldn't be neutral? Let me know what you think. The number is 87 Should Ireland remain a neutral country? Let me go to Paul as well. Paul, you're in Ireland's classic kids. How you doing, Paul? How you doing, Noel? Very well, thanks. Yourself? Uh, Paul, now, you know, this idea that Ireland is a neutral country is a little bit of a rose-tinted glasses thing since World War II. We're not really a neutral country. We never were. It's not in our constitution. But would you vote for it? Definitely not, no. I would rather we stay neutral because if we don't, we open ourselves up to be... If we join NATO or some other uh, European organisation, we open ourselves up to being attacked by any enemies that NATO is involved with. Like, I mean, airports, Hitler wanted airports, um, the British wanted airports, the Americans wanted airports during the Second World War. If we join NATO, airports are open for NATO, and we'll be the first place to be hit, because... But we're already in that, look, there's no suggestion at the moment of joining NATO, but we're already in that position. We're not a neutral country. You know what I mean? We, okay, I know we only operate peacekeeping missions primarily at the moment, uh, but we've seen over the last two months that we're quite willing to give a dig out and get involved. I mean, only yesterday, as I said to you, you know, there was four Russians expelled from Ireland, diplomats expelled from Ireland. That could be seen as pro- pro- provocative. Yeah, well, good, good enough. Good enough. No, no, I'm not, I'm not suggesting it isn't good enough for them. The further yeah. away from this country, the better. But what I'm, what I'm saying to you is, you know, in the real world, Russia could see that as provocative. So we're not we're not a neutral country. It's not in our constitution. So you know, for us to say, for example, to put into our, to put into our constitution that we should be neutral, well, then we wouldn't be doing things like that. Absolutely. Well, I mean, personally speaking, I think we are neutral in one sense. I mean, although American planes landed here down the Shannon when they were flying over to Iraq, I didn't agree with that kind of stuff at all. Mm-hmm. But I do, what I do believe in, and I do agree with Leo Varadkar, we need to bolster our own military. We need to start putting money into our military, our air force, our navy, because we really don't have one. We do not really agree with Leo Varadkar, because he believes the idea of neutrality in Ireland at the moment is a delusional idea. You uh, know? Well, I, know I, don't, I don't agree with him on that part, but I did agree with him where he came out, and it's very little I agree with Varadkar. Actually, nothing I agree with him on, actually. <laughs> but he, but he, he does say it's a wake-up <laughs> call. The war at the moment is a wake-up absolutely, call absolutely. that we can't assume Britain or the US will come in to save us. Yeah, and we did we did depend on that at one stage. We can't we can't depend on that anymore. If Ukraine has shown us anything, it's that we are just as much vulnerable as, as much vulnerable as Ukraine was to any attack from anybody. And we need to bolster. We need to. I mean, look at the the waste of the National Children's Hospital. Two billion at the moment, and there's no final figure on that. I mean, for that two billion, we could get eight F-16s uh, aircraft for our Air Force. Or, or three major battleships. So do you, I mean, do you believe we should have like 25,000 or 30,000 troops? Um, I believe. And, and pay them properly, of course. Oh, absolutely. Because their wages at the moment are crap. They're like 360 quid a week. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, absolutely. I t- totally agree with you there. I believe we should have a, we should have a, a military um, a military induction. Every, every person, every person at a certain age has to go into military for three years for men. And what, conscription? Women. Yes. So yeah. you, you would be in favour of conscription? I would. Military service. I wouldn't call it conscription. I'd call so, it uh, like part-time? Better word. Well, like part-time? Yeah, yeah. well, you know, to do, I mean, every, say Israel. Israel has a concept that every, every uh, all, of the, their, all of their people take three years or 18 months in the army. So they're all prepared. So if anything happens, if they get major hit by about 10 nations attack them, 
everyone in the country is prepared and knows what to do. Well, no, no, I don't. I, well, but there's a lot of people that have been in like the FCA and stuff like that. And I, I, I don't know whether you're suggesting people say a young person. So you're telling me a young, a young people say 18 years of age should be out of school and then spend three years in the military and then they can go off to college and, and then follow their dream. Is that is that what you're saying to me? Yep. It's a bit, it's a bit much to request to people, isn't it? It's a bit much to ask in a modern world. I mean, even America abandoned conscription years ago, so it's a bit, it's a bit much to ask in a modern world. Not, not really. Not the way the world is going. Well, it's getting worse, and it will only get worse. It won't get any better. It's going to get worse, mm. and we have to, we have to be prepared. I mean, take another instance, and and this country is not prepared for it. And I've said this before. And when it happens here, and it will happen here, it happens in other countries. Islamic terrorism. If somebody went down the street in Ireland and started attacking people with knives and guns, where's the guards? You don't see the guards for peanuts. And we we, we have a special are, task force, but there's not that many of them. Yeah, how, how long will it take for them, for the ERU, to be on the scene before... I know, I know. They, no, they can, and they can't be everywhere. I've got, I, I get that. No. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, and you have the Army Rangers, too, who are a wonderful uh, group of human beings, but of course, they can't be anywhere, everywhere, either. Exactly, well-trained. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I know we do keep, keep peace or peacekeeping force um, with the UN, but, and, and they do, the Irish do a great job wherever they go, but the UN are gummy bears. I mean, look at what happened in... Um, in uh, Sarajevo, they, they just stood there and did nothing while people were massacred and taken prisoner by the Serbs and out of the forest and murdered. The UN were so, so do you, believe at some, do, do you believe at some point Ireland is in danger of being attacked at some point in the future? I certainly do, 100%. Okay, okay, okay. Well, all right, thanks for that. Let me just go to Jay. Jay, you're an Ireland's classic kids. How are you doing, Jay? Afternoon, mate. Um, okay, you'd want to get rid of our neutrality. Oh, oh God, yeah, Niall. I mean... We want to live in this free in this free world, but we're not prepared to fight for it. We're prepared to hopefully that somebody else will send their sons and daughters off to fight for our freedoms. Come on, you're having a laugh, Noel, aren't you? And Noel, it's not conscription. Let's call it military. I mean, the, the, well, hang on. Let's, the, call, no, but let's call it doing, doing, doing your service for your country. Uh, you're not prepared to fight. No. No? No. You'd be gone like a light, wouldn't you? Absolutely. And expect, and expect somebody else's child to die. No, no, I wouldn't. No. I protect, no, I pre- what, and, okay, no well, hang on. No, I've said this. I mean, but what can I get this argument again in the air? I've said in the past, no. I'd be quite happy to protect my own wife, or what should I say, my own partner, family, and, yeah, and whoever. But but, 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 but hang on. That's what you would be doing. But I'm not right protecting on. yours, Jay. No, I'm not asking that's you. That's your job. What I'm saying is, are you prepared to stand up and protect your own family and your own home? Yeah. Because that's what the Ukrainians are doing at the moment. Absolutely. But, I'm, yeah, but, so I, but hey, I, I'm not... Yeah, but hold on for a second. I would get my family out of here. That's what I do. And myself, by the way, too. Right, and so what happens when you run out of countries to hide in? Well, you're not going to run out of countries to hide in. How, how, how don't you know? Oh, geez, I mean, was it the whole war world II. is at war like? Well, no, but at World War II, that was, that was, the, that was the, the division of them, wasn't it? was to take over the wars and turn it into one of these bloody mad wars. So that's... It's yeah, I, I'm sorry, Jay. You can call me what you want, a traitor, whatever you like. Oh, I, no, I'm no, not no. walking out with a gun in my hand and fighting for the country. I'll just leave the country. You'd be grand. You, you can look after it. Yourself and your friends can look after it. I'm leaving. Because I'm not going... I'm not, I wouldn't die for my country. I'm sorry. Would you, Jay? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, I would. If, if the country was being attacked... Paul, would you, Paul are you still there? Well, you live hang, on, hang on, hang on, Jay. Paul, would you die for your country? I'd die for my neighbours, yeah. I don't, I no, I'm not, I didn't ask you for your neighbours or your family. Would you die for your country? To defend it against... Yeah. You can't keep running for the rest of your life, You can't keep running for the rest of your life. I'm not running, I just get on a plane and go to America or something like that. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but Jake, getting back to the original question, okay, about neutrality, okay? I mean, look, we don't have neutrality at the moment. We're pretending we we do. No, we we never never did. No, it's it's not in the Constitution. So, I mean, but are you, obviously, you agree with Paul that we should beef up the military? 
we definitely should. And I mean, we, we don't need to have a full uh, a full time military. I mean, we could have a part time military where we pay them good and where they have, like, most of us are trained up. I mean, that's, look at Israel, as that man said. Look at Israel, they're already, I mean, they're surrounded but you, by you're a agreeing, But you're agreeing with everything he says. But although well, he's saying we should remain neutral, you're saying we should get rid of it. No, we were never neutral. No, we were never neutral. I know that. You know, I mean, we were never bloody neutral. But as I said, you're prepared to live in this free world, but just do nothing to protect it. I have, so a, vision, I have a vision of you and Paul running up the beaches with your guns yeah. in your hands. Yeah, but see, that's <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay, I've got to go into a break. The number's 87 treble zero eight. All right, let me go to Rachel if I can. Rachel, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you, Rachel? Hey, Niall, how are you? Good. Niall, can I just say it's really sad to hear about Joe? I know. I'm I'm absolutely um, devastated by it. I was yeah, so really shocked. Sad. And you know what was weird? Ashling said to me on Monday uh, night, we were working on Monday night together, and Ashling said to me, God, I haven't heard from Joan. And we she hadn't been on um, in a little while. But now, she did die suddenly on Sunday, so it was. I don't think she had an illness. Yeah. So whatever for whatever reason, she hadn't rang us the week before. Maybe she felt a bit under the weather or something like that. But it was seemingly quite sudden because she was a very healthy woman. You know? Yeah, but it was lovely what you'd done as well because I was only thinking... When you were doing it, because I actually cried. I was like, oh my God. Um, I know, particularly because it was a coincidence that I had only asked her recently, does she ever worry yeah. about death? Yeah. I, I actually, um, do you know what? When you replayed, I remembered here. I remembered that. Yeah. When you replayed as well. And I was actually thinking, like, it's such a lovely thing to do as well, because you would never get people from a radio station acknowledging their, their like, the people that listeners like that you know what I mean yeah and I actually think that well I have known Joan not just from this radio station from two other radio stations I worked in she was a caller there as well and I know she was a caller on Joe Duffy and a few other radio stations too but more so with me because she loves giving out to me I I actually felt like it was almost like she was my mother (laughs) she used to ring up and give out to me all the time <laughs> yeah, no, I remember. I love hate relationship. We loved each other. So, yeah. Ra- Rachel, getting back to Ireland being a neutral country, do you? Do you? Yeah. I mean, look, if you were voting tomorrow in a referendum, if there was a referendum, would you vote to remain neutral? Well, we're not really neutral, but oh, would you? God, no. No, no, you don't believe we should not. be neutral. No. You, no, because we we are such a small country compared to most countries in the world. We'd be probably even forced to be attacked. We'd be wiped out in army. Well, I think we yeah. are so small, and because and and the like to say, looking at Ukraine how they can get weapons in, they can get it in through Poland and Moldova and all them countries. We're an island, so we essentially, if countries are going to try to get stuff to us, we're not getting it. Yeah, well, but, that, but that's also to our advantage too because we're an island we're less likely to be attacked because we don't border anything apart from Northern Ireland of course and Great I Britain. Don't. I genuinely think that we, I think we're more susceptible to it because we're so small mm. and because we haven't got an army well, we have an army. I don't think we have a proper army. No, we, we, no, we don't. I, no, we don't. Yeah, we have a yeah, defence force. And I genuinely yeah. think that, that what that chap was saying about conscription and stuff like I genuinely think that every male... And have you ever seen... Like, ah, so look at you saying every male, Rachel. <laughs> Why every male? <laughs> listen, listen. Any message I actually said, I said, I'm female. Oh, okay. And all right. Sorry for interrupting you there. Message. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, do, do me a favour, stay there, Rachel, because I want to get Mark in before the end as well. Stay with me, Rachel. Yeah. Mark, you're an Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Mark? Now, how are you doing? I'm just listening to Paul and Jay there. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Absolutely incredible. What, what's incredible country, about what they said? This country, the health service is chaos. We can't put a roof over our people's heads. And the, these people are all talking about banned billion pound jets. What on earth? Mm-hmm. Is this country turned into Fox News? <laughs> the priorities, the slaughter in Ukraine is heartbreaking. 
and there's people on here now saying, are, do, do you think Russia are interested in Ireland? Maybe they, they might come over and help us sort out our problems. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Ireland is on Russia's uh, to-do list. To be no, honest, with you. Ireland is on no one. Ireland is on no one's radar. It's incredible that these people, these rambles, come. The, well, the only thing I will say is, if it, in the event of a uh, a world war, um, you know, yeah. where America and Russia may be involved. Ireland could be used, obviously, by America, you know, for refueling, for landing planes as a kind of of stopover for weapons, storage for weapons, etc. And it could equally be attacked by the enemy, uh, you know, because of that reason. So I think that's always been the concern when it comes to Ireland. Not that we're, it's not that we're a threat to anybody because we're not. Well, 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 just just explain to me now when the Middle East, when NATO slaughtered a million people and America said publicly, that they're going to legalize torture, but mm-hmm. they're not going to do it on their soil. And we allowed them to land in this country. And they told us that we will legalize torture. And we allowed them to refuel. To well, a lot of people, people we, 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 might, we may have allowed it, but a lot of people did object to it at the time. A lot of people did, but the government didn't. And the people voted for the government. And you see these people, these Pauls and these Jays, who are going to go out and all them and well, Rachel is kind of agreeing with that as well. She, she doesn't. She well, doesn't I believe would actually do it too. I'd be honest, like if I didn't have my commitments, I would do it. And I've always I said that. What well, you'd run down the beach with a gun in your hand, Rachel? I, I thought, I thought no, but I would literally, I would fight for my country, and I've always said that. Oh. Okay, but my, well, okay, she'd fight for her country. Mark, let me ask you a question. I, I thought that Rachel was all for neutrality. No, 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 no. Incredible, incredible. Okay, so, so would Mark, do me a favor, would you answer me a question? Would you fight for your country? Would you, die, would you die for your country? I'd live for my country. I wouldn't die. I live in West Belfast. We've just got the British Army out after 25 years. You do not want to go back to that. You want to live for your country, not die for your country. Get the Ukrainian, the poor Ukrainian people in here. Spend the billions that you're going to buy super jets with. Not bad supersonic jets off America. Now, this place has went insane. Absolutely insane. I, I tuned into RTE to try and get away from it, and it's the worst thing I've ever done. The Irish people, a lot of Irish people, are, have absolutely lost the run of themselves. Okay, well, listen, on that note, Mark, I've run out of time. I'm sorry, and I'm not cutting you short, but I have, unfortunately, run out of time. For whatever reason over the years, I've never had a huge interest. Obviously, at the moment, I do like everybody else, and I'm following the news. But Ireland's neutrality has never really interested me. Maybe it's just it's something that never has arisen before, or, well, apart from, obviously, refueling planes in Shannon. But uh, let me go to one man who does know an awful lot about it, Declan Powers, the security analyst. He joins me on the line. Good afternoon to you, Declan. Good afternoon, Niall. How are you? Good. Now, the government parties have voted against a private member's bill calling for a referendum on Ireland's neutrality to be held. And I think, like most people, we all assumed it was in our constitution, but it's actually not, is it? You're absolutely right. There is something in our constitution. It's a very limited thing in Article 29, which was put in, I think, around the time we entered the European Union or or the EC as it was then, or maybe before one of the referenda, I forget which. But it specifically talks about common defence policy under the auspices of the European Council. Now, that's very limited. The irony of this is, you hear people talking about uh, a referendum. There probably would need to be a referendum if we were to have a deeper, uh, more mutually assured uh, defence relationship 
within the European Union. Okay, to have, is, in other words, to have yeah. a line, an insertion in the Constitution technically saying we only have a defence force and we don't get involved. No, no, no. Well, it depends on which, which way you want to put it. Uh, I don't think... You see, I, that boat has sailed, to be quite honest. But, 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 but see, the thing about it, sorry for interrupting, Declan, wars, I mean, wars are different now. World War II, of course, is very different to what was happening now, right? Wars are very different. They're very political nowadays. Yes, so we, quite right. So we do politically get involved all of the time, don't we? Well, now, for those of us who have looked at this area for quite some time, <clears throat> Ireland is should not call itself neutral because we do not behave as a classically neutral nation. Now, mind you, it's hard to know what is a classically neutral nation. According to the Hague Convention, it's about not taking part in military conflict or taking sides or giving any assistance in any shape or form. Okay, so, now, if, that, so if that was the case, we wouldn't be involved in sanctions against Russia currently at the moment. Precisely, and, and we wouldn't have done some of the things we did in World War II either. We got away with that because international communications and media were a lot less sophisticated. And what we're doing now is literally very similar to what we did in World War II, with one distinct difference. In World War II, we kept our mouths largely shut. Uh, De Valera made one uh, negative statement about German occupation of neutral countries, and uh, the the embassy were onto him, and he shut up. But he gave a lot of under-the-table assistance to the Allies. What we're doing now is we're doing it all out in the open. And while we have these little quibbles about whether we send weapons or not. We are sending material assistance to the Ukraine state and, importantly, to the Ukraine armed forces. It just doesn't involve uh, actual weapons or ammunition, but it involves uh, military rations, medical supplies, it involves uh, protective supplies, body armour. So, you know, we're in this fight uh, in as much as any other part of Europe. Is now, I, I, I want you to just respond to what Paul Murphy has said, TD Paul Murphy said, let us not kid ourselves that this latest push to fully undermine and get rid of this political straitjacket and to undermine neutrality is a mere pragmatic response to the war in Ukraine. He also said uh, that NATO was being rebranded as some sort of force as if it was simply a neutral teacher on a playground stopping the bullies. Now, I mean, a lot of people disagree with Paul Murphy, of course, and Richard Boyd yeah. Barrett, and, yeah. the, and the other individuals uh, who voted uh, against the, the referendum, or voted for the referendum, should I say, because, as you see, 53 people voted against it uh, out of the 67 votes. So the, the vast majority mm-hmm. voted against uh, even bothering have a refer- having a referendum. But, I mean, what do you think, make of Paul Murphy's comments? I, look, Paul and the others are entitled to their opinion, but where I draw a line and where I have words with them is when they start to inject error into it. It's like, you know, I, I welcome a debate, but they, what's happening is, <clears throat> particularly on their side of the house, they're letting very distinctive political opinions and, shall we say, sentiment and emotion cloud reality. If we're going to debate this, let's do it in the cold, hard light of day. And the reality is, if you were to do what Paul Murphy was suggesting, you would shackle Ireland's defence options uh, so that we would limit our options. But our and options are already limited anyway by the fact that we only no, have 8,000 no, no. soldiers. Listen, you're right about that. But here, listen, this is an important point, and it's great that you're giving me the opportunity to say this on your station. We could triple our defence budget in the morning. Uh, well, just let me say, first of all, before that, Paul never talks about the fact that if we were to do this, to shackle ourselves to be a, an ultra-neutralist state, we don't have the means by which to enforce that. So it's a nonsense anyway. The big powers of whatever shape or size can just do what they want in our territory. Now, that, that's one side of the, the equation that never gets fully addressed. The second thing is, we have already nailed our colours to the mast by joining the European Union, by taking part in a whole variety of different cooperative arrangements that kind of fall short of mutually uh, assured defence, Article 5, in the, in the NATO clause. We have a relationship with NATO through the Partnership for Peace. Most people aren't aware of this. 
So we are far from some outlier. Now, the, 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 the ridiculous thing is a lot of our accommodations and arrangements are to do with overseas operations, you know, external operations. We, yeah. have lot, we have a lot less thought put into what happens when our territorial and physical security is threatened. And when I say physical security, I'm not just talking. People say things like, well, who'd want to invade us? Uh, well, that's, well, well that, a... that's always been the question, really. Well, apart from the fact that obviously we could become a base if indeed there ever was some sort of doomsday situation where America exactly, and Russia go to exactly. war. But uh, we are seen as part of... But we, we are, are in a very lucky situation, unlike Ukraine, and they seem to compare us with Ukraine when they talk about neutrality, right? We're very mm-hmm. similar. We're not in a similar situation to Ukraine. Ukraine is bordered by many countries. We don't have a border. We're an island, thankfully, which means we're very unlikely, apart from our war with Northern Ireland, which we had for 30 years, we're very unlikely uh, to end up in a situation where we're going to have war, aren't we? Yeah, well, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't phrase it like that. We're unlikely to be in a situation where we will be uh, aggressed against physically for the simple reason that uh, we are sandwiched between your friendly powers. Even our issues with Britain over Brexit were political. They were never going to erupt into a war. I mean, mean, you you don't think, for example, Putin has a notebook there and that Ireland, because we we expelled four uh, diplomats yesterday, is on his to-do list. I don't don't believe for a minute Ireland even comes into the equation. No, 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 I disagree with you there. Uh, It's not that he would be seeking to send of bombers to bomb O'Connell Street or, or the Russian Navy to, to launch a, 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 an excursion of some sort or an expeditionary force onto our territory. None, but because the reality is, if Russia was seeking to do something of a big military operation, in order to get into the waters or into the air around the island to launch that operation, they would have come to the attention of NATO in so many shapes and forms. And the reality is, people might not like to hear this, that we are in NATO's sphere of influence. And Russia has always considered us to be in NATO's sphere of influence. So when people used to say things like, well, we should stay out of this war, the Ukrainian one, because we could act as an interlocutor or intermediary, Russia would never accept us as an intermediary because they consider us to be a proxy of the West. And in many many ways, they're right. We have very close relationships with the UK, the US and, and, and Western Europe. And well, so, well, Russia have been dreaming of being part of the West for years. I mean, of course, they considered themselves part of Europe at one stage um, in, that, in, that, in that sense. I, I would say, Niall, I would say they've, they've dreamed of dominating the West. Well, they probably, don't really want yes. to be part. But to come back to your point, to come back to your point, though, what, here's where I come from on this whole issue of neutrality. Having these uh, debates, calling ourselves neutral is erroneous. We are a non-aligned, we're not in a formal alliance with anybody. We're like the Nordics, like the Swedes and the Finns. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but Declan, you're talking about tripling, if we were to be serious about it, uh, yeah. you know, and obviously accept that we're not a neutral country and then to take steps in that respect. Now, I think everybody agrees that the people who are in the Defence Forces should be paid more money. That, that goes without yeah. a doubt. But, 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 goes without saying, yeah, yeah, but the idea that we triple our, our defence budget, and somebody was on just before the break there talking about this, a man who lived in Belfast and certainly doesn't want to go back down that route again, but he said, I mean, like, we spend, say, if we send billions buying a few fighter jets and maybe having 20,000 people in the Defence Forces instead, and you'd probably have to bring in conscription because nobody wants to volunteer no, to do no, it. I completely agree. So that's a, well, well, I such, a, agree such a waste of money, wouldn't it? it? Well, it would be because that, this country cannot secure itself on its own. That is, that's a truism. No more than we needed to engage in multilateral business relationships and uh, inward investment to change our economy for the better. In order to secure ourselves, we are already doing a lot of this. But I, my argument would be we need to be uh, formalised and we need to put ourselves in the driving seat in a way that we're not at the moment. I, I am totally yeah, but Leo, Leo did say that we can't assume Britain and the US will come to save us. I mean, I think we have to assume that because nobody else is going to do it, is it? Because well, we can't well, save ourselves. Topic, 
You're, well, you're, you're quite right. But on the positive note, we are in a very strategic location, depending on, on how things play out, because we're the, the west, most western part of uh, Europe on the Atlantic. Uh, and that has consequences. Now, the reality is NATO in general, the US, the UK, it's not in their interest to see uh, nefarious activity go on within our waters or within our airspace. However, if we don't take steps to have proper cooperative arrangements with states that abide by rules-based systems, which is the European Union, which is the US, which is the UK, uh, just about, even despite Brexit, uh, then we leave ourselves where we're just a bystander in matters that could unfold in addressing our territory. What I'm saying here is that it's very possible for us to be, we're already doing this with regards to our air defense. Air policing is carried out in this state by the RAF at our behest. There was an under-the-table agreement drawn up after 9-11. Now, what my point would be is, why don't we just look at this in a more grown-up light? Other small states like New Zealand, uh, Canada, in that it's smaller than the US, uh, other parts of the world have these uh, cooperative arrangements. The Nordics, even though there are, some of them are in NATO and some are in the EU and some are not, they have the Nordic defence a cooperation arrangement. Now, we could draw up a bespoke agreement where we agree to cooperate with the UK, with France and the Nordic countries with regards to air and sea policing within our area. We could have a better, more conjoined relationship within the EU and indeed with NATO without having to join it with regards to cyber defence and intelligence sharing and counter-espionage and counter-intelligence activities. We do a certain amount of this stuff anyway, but it, it's all very ad hoc. And would you, by the way, would you agree? Would you agree with? Uh, I'm sorry for Russian Declan, but would, you, all, would you agree with conscription? Because callers on, uh, previously to you, uh, before the break, had mentioned conscription. Because there's no way. No. Hey, look, no matter how much advertising we've done for the army, unless obviously we pay them a little bit more, nobody wants to seem. Nobody seems to want to join us. I mean, we spent millions pushing women into the army over the last ten years. Or spent <laughs> ads on RT and everything for women in the army. And I think they only got a few people in there. So nobody seems to want to join the army. It's a kind of outdated concept for many young people who want to go into technology and work for well, Salesforce and all these kind of companies. You're both right and in a way you're wrong. You just put your finger on the pulse of how to address that issue. I was having this discussion with somebody recently. You, there shouldn't be conscription. And, I, and I, I'm against the idea of buying fighter jets and I'm against the idea of tripling the defence budget. We do need to increase the defence budget. We do need to improve how we pay people. What we need is a smart army in, in, in the concept of how we use smart today. We need an agile, capable highly trained, well-educated, multi-purpose force that's fit for our purposes. I don't believe that the recent report has drawn up the appropriate blueprint for that, but it opens the door for discussion on that. Mm-hmm. What I would do, instead of having a conservative recruitment campaigns and certain conscription, that's for big powers. That's for powers that need large amounts of manpower. What we need is agility. I would recraft the reserve defence force and have it, uh, like they do in other European countries, attached to the colleges and the universities. Because while a lot of people don't want to join the army for a long-term career, as you say, they want to get into tech, I've encountered a lot of people during my time teaching in third level, whereby they uh, would love to spend a few years, maybe, uh, attached to the defence forces, using their skills in a certain way. And they would, uh, they would really jump at the chance to either be in a reserve list where they would be, if they were programmers, software developers, called up to use those skills for a certain period of the year in a, in a way that's appropriate. Mm-hmm. And uh, or people who would finish their degree and maybe qualify for a short service commission like they do in France or the US or the UK and give two years as a junior officer in the Defence Forces. So a, a little bit more imagination of that. That would, do you know the other thing it would allow? It would allow more recruitment of women because 
women completing their third level education who have an interest in a more physically active outdoor lives could ex- you know, get a taste of it. And then yeah. there would be a percentage. Well, I mean, my, my is, there's a lot more facets to the army nowadays than there was 30 or 40 Absolutely. years ago. I mean, nowadays, you know, the army could play a role, for example, in, you know, cyber security and all that other stuff as well. That's all part of security, isn't it? It's all part of keeping our country safe. But OK, <laughs> just before you go, Declan, the last time I spoke to you, by the way, I think, yeah. if I remember rightly, was before the invasion. And it was only about two days before the invasion. Uh, it's going back some uh, month and a half, two months ago. And... At that time, I think you yourself didn't think it was probably going to happen. We were all, actually, I think we were all taken by surprise, including the people of the Ukraine. Uh, but in saying that, now here we are a month and a half down the road, Declan. Where do you think it's going to go now? And what do you think the end result of this is going to be? And will Putin be happy? Or it, there's some people suggesting that he'll go further than this and that this could get a lot worse than, rather than getting better. Well, it has the potential. But uh, to go back to your original point there, I think, uh, well, what I always thought was, I didn't think he was going to do a full-scale invasion of the entire country because it made no military or strategic sense. I did think he was going to do something. I did think, uh, I was on record in saying it, that he was going to occupy a certain area, probably the Donbass area or Mm -hmm. part of that area. Because I believe that it would be a fait accompli. The West would make a lot of noises, but they would do nothing because nobody wanted a war over it. Um, And now we're kind of nearly back. He's sort of back to what he should have done in the first place if he had had a bit of sense. Um, The the thing now is that the Ukrainians have shown their capability and agility and ability to fight. And they might not want to agree to letting any of their territory, uh, even including the Crimea, be continue to be occupied by Russian forces. I think a compromise, though, will come after another level of attrition. I don't okay. think either side is fully ready to compromise. In, in relation to what you asked about Russia, uh, spreading beyond that, Russia is trying to swallow a gobstopper that it has not the capacity to do so. If it was trying, it, it doesn't, it, there's no way it could even occupy the entirety of Ukraine and pacify it. So I think the longer it's caught up in a conflict that's draining it of blood and treasure in the Ukraine territory, then actually the more secure that makes the rest of Europe. It's not a, you've seen what his capacity is like. We've all actually, within the military security world, been somewhat taken aback. At the I think most people have, because Russians. most people thought this would be kind of easy stuff for the Russians. Mind you, the Russians haven't won a war in 300 years. But, but that most people thought this would have been an easy invasion for the, you know, the likes of a superpower. Well, they believe they're a superpower, uh, Russia. Uh, but indeed, that hasn't been the case at all. And no, or, ordinary people on the street have fought and fought back. There's two things that happened here that, uh, on a positive note, they've dented their reputation uh, severely throughout the world and will continue to do so. And Putin's ego probably as well. Putin's ego. But what Putin also thought, strategically he thought what his invasion was going to do was going to to blast apart European unity, that people wouldn't want to do the hard yards. And he has shown up weaknesses, like the way the Germans, uh, this this over-alliance of Russian energy was a strategic misstep going back over 10 years that should never have happened. And it's a lesson to us all now on how not to leave ourselves at the well, well, I think the Germans' reliance on it more so than anybody else. And I think they've learned yeah. a vital lesson now. And they were True. told, mind you, they were told about that two years ago. They, they, they were told not to rely on it. Ironically enough, by Donald Trump, and at that particular <laughs> UN meeting, the German contingent laughed at him when he said it. They're not laughing now, I wouldn't imagine. No, you're absolutely right. But on a, on a positive note, though, what this has also shown is the European Union is the primary instrument of this hybrid war against Russia, not NATO. NATO is very, and this going back to a point you made at the start of this, we really need to kind of grow up a bit about NATO. I'm not saying it's perfect, and I'm not saying we even need to join it. But we do need to have a relationship with it. And the, because the European Union 
has already declared NATO to be a strategic partner. Now, all the members of the European Union, all the members of NATO uh, are, are members of the, or not, sorry, let me rephrase that, all the members of the European Union uh, are in NATO. Did I get that right? Or the, anyway, yeah, no, you, you did get that right, yeah. say, With a few exceptions, like, yeah. The members of know, NATO are members of the European Union, I think is the, the yeah. point, yeah. So yeah. we're talking about this collection of democratic states that we are happy to do business with, to share a relationship with, to do all kinds of things with without any conscience pricking us. But when it comes to defence, suddenly there are uh, neo-colonials. Suddenly we let the far left, or we used to, drive the debate. If they're good enough to join the European Union, then they're good enough to engage in a defence okay. relationship with it. However, some people would be squeamish about it, but the, I'll leave you on this point. The irony would be, at the moment, our constitution is the one thing that prevents us having a deeper relationship in terms of the European Union. But there's actually nothing in it that says we couldn't join NATO in the morning. All right, well, listen, thank you very much indeed, and I appreciate you coming on the air to talk to us today. Declan Power, Security Analyst, thank you. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.